this evening. We ask that you be welcomed tonight. Amen. Uh, Brother Brother Ray has two co-workers with us tonight, uh, Malvin and Johnson. Would you guys stand up? We can welcome you tonight. Thank you for joining us. Amen. And those on the internet and phone hookups, we ask that the Holy Spirit would just speak to you guys this evening as well. Let's just sing Justified, song 911. I was just thinking of the song after Brother Murphy's service on Sunday, and I think it's a, this is an appropriate song to sing. Amen. I was sitting alone and wondering about what I'm supposed to do. I can't deny the times I made mistakes. I can't hide from any news. But I know that deep within my soul I feel sorry. No, honest I do. So I just cried and said, forgive me, Lord.
prayer with that on our lips. Amen. We have no prayer requests. Brother Jeff, could I ask you to open up in the word of prayer tonight? If you have a need, just lift it before the Lord. You will meet and answer all your heart's desire. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Blessed Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be in your presence tonight. Lord Jesus, we're... We love you and we so appreciate your goodness to us and your mercy that's been extended, Father, once again tonight, that we could be here washed by the water of your word. What a privilege it is, Father, where we can sit and an entrance can be ministered unto us, Father, by your word. May you speak to us, Father, to your servant, Brother John, as he has prepared. Anoint him and anoint us to receive, O God, your blessed word. We just commit the service into your hand, everything that will be spoken. Meet every need and divine presence, though it might not be spoken. Have your way in our lives, we pray, as we commit it all into your hands. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. You have your seats. Amen. Let's just sing, My God is Awesome. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Father in heaven, we love you.
lost home. There's no turning back to yesterday, but pressing towards my high calling in Christ, I can hear my theophany calling me. So can't you Chorus's brother 
Brother John comes. Amen. Let's all stand. Our theophany drawing nigh. Amen. That's all of our wants and desires. Amen. Can't you hear your theophany calling you? It's a sign. It's almost home time. And I'm just waiting for my promised body Father, it's good to be into your presence again, Lord. It's a privilege for us to be in your house, Lord. Father, we have gathered tonight because we love you, because we love your word, Lord, because we want to hear from you. We want to know what you want us to know today, Lord. What is it, oh God, that you want to make known unto us? What revelation do you want to deposit in our souls today, Lord? Our hearts are open to receive, and our souls are willing, oh God. Father, I pray that you now take control of the service, Lord. May the atmosphere be just right, Lord, as we sense your presence, Lord. May you gather the right conditions for your word to yield the results that we want it to produce, Lord. We commit the reading of your word, the preaching of it, Lord. May you bless it to our hearts and souls. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Before we turn to the scriptures, there is an announcement here. I believe it's Brother Mochi and Sister Grace's wedding anniversary. So we just want to wish them happy anniversary. God bless you. Twelve years. Incredible. All right. Well, let's go directly to the Word. We're turning into the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, Victoria and Sharon, for the special. God bless you. Matthew, chapter 6. Verse 9. We'll read verse 9 to 13. And it's, it's a very common scripture. We know it very well. So why don't we just all read it together? After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as you forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've read the scripture, Lord. Your prophet oftentimes said, any man who knows how to read can read the Bible. But Lord, the interpretation, the context, the inspiration comes from you alone, Lord. It's your eternal word, and we are your eternal sons and daughters. And we pray, Father, that you deposit something in our souls that will help us serve you better, to help us walk closer to you, and to help us love you more. Lord, take the speaker out of the way, Lord. May the Holy Spirit himself speak to his people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may have your seats. I'm going to continue on the principles of faith, part four. I hope we don't get to part 200. Um, we'll take a different subject today. And what Brother Branham says many times in the message, he says, if we had time, if we had time, if I had time, I think we have time, right? So we can just look into these things that lay in the message and see where we, how far we can go with it. I might be ending today with this, or there might be a part five coming, I'm not sure. Uh, we read the scripture in Matthew chapter six, and I'll just leave it at that for now, and we'll come back to it later. That's the Lord's Prayer, you know the scripture. But let's go back a little bit in what we've covered. So far we've covered faith being the sixth sense, and then we talked about how faith was an invisible substance that will have to, over time, materialize. And we also talked about those pulsations of faith and the battle in our mind, where you're battling in your human mind, and there's a battle raging between David and Goliath, between your faith and your reasoning, between revelation and intellectual reasoning. And then, but all these previous services we've been focusing on, on the power of faith, what faith can do. Today I'd like to get your attention on something else here. We're going to take a look at a different principle, and we're going to see that sometimes our faith, for it to be fruitful, there are some conditions that must be met. So we're going to discuss some of the hindrances to our faith. Not just what faith is capable of doing, but what actually hinders faith and prevents faith from actually yielding results. Sometimes when we do not obtain something, we automatically attribute it to the fact that it wasn't God's will. And that's probably true. That sometimes, in some cases, it's not God's will. But it's also true that in some cases, it's because we need to do something. There's something that needs to be addressed in our lives for God to be able to move. So let's not be so quick to dismiss, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. I guess it wasn't God's will. Well, maybe it was God's will, but there's something that you're not doing. Maybe there's a condition that you're not meeting. Maybe there's something in your life that's hindering your faith from actually yielding results. So a different type of service, it's going to be a little bit of, of a soul and heart examination today. We're going to look deep within ourselves. Lord, what am I doing? What am I doing that's hindering my faith from yielding results? What am I doing that's hindering my prayers from being answered? Is that okay? Now, there are some conditions that have to be met in the scripture for certain promises. And the condition is something that has a significant influence 
or something that determines the outcome of something. So if we say that we're going to get together tomorrow if it's sunny or if the weather is if the weather is nice. Now, the outcome of what we want to do is based on the condition being met. So if the condition is not met, we're not going to do what we want to do. And many places in the scripture, and we're going to go through some of them, there's certain things that can only be done or granted when the condition is met. And there's many things in our lives, you know, promises of God that we want to tap into when we pray, that God cannot grant it to us unless we meet conditions. And if somebody doesn't meet those conditions and they keep asking and asking and asking and they don't obtain, then you become frustrated. Why am I not receiving it? Are you meeting the conditions? See, when you understand what conditions need to be met, you understand how to operate the promises of God. Brother Adam says this, Elijah, the anointed prophet, turned around and said to Elisha, that was asked a hard thing because he asked for a double portion. It says, but this will be given to you on a condition. And Brother Adam says, so is the Holy Ghost given to you on a condition. My, I want the Holy Ghost. Are you meeting the conditions to receive the Holy Ghost? You can come and cry to the altar every single day. God, give me the Holy Ghost. God, give me the Holy Ghost. God, give me the Holy Ghost. And we can line up all these ministers and lay hands on you to receive the Holy Ghost. If you do not meet the conditions that are in the word to release that promise in your life, you will not receive it. And now people become frustrated because they keep trying to obtain something, yet they keep failing on meeting the conditions. Then there's no results because conditions are not being met. See, the conditions of the Holy Ghost are in the scriptures. Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, these conditions have to be met. How can you receive the Holy Ghost without repenting? And there's also a way to repent. You got to repent the right way. You cannot spend your time gossiping and destroying people's reputation, destroying the character, and say, God, forgive me. Oh, you've wronged your brother. You got to make it right. There's a way to make those things right to release the power of God in your life. And then people, Brother Lam says this, he says, the reason why people do not receive the Holy Ghost is it's a lack of full repentance. They don't come to a full repentance, then there's one condition that they're missing. They might get baptized in the right name, and they might get baptized in the right formula, but if they're not fully repenting, how are they going to receive the Holy Spirit? One out of three conditions is not met. God will not honor that and give you the Holy Ghost. You have to come to a full repentance. You cannot say, I want the Holy Ghost, and still want to hold on to the things in your life. And you don't want to let it go. You don't want to surrender it to God. How is He going to give you the Holy Ghost when you can't surrender your heart fully to Him? Conditions have to be met. And I've been in the message for 5, 10 years. I've been looking for the Holy Ghost. I've been searching for the Holy Ghost. I've come to camp after camp. I've come to the altar. Are you understanding the conditions? Are you meeting the conditions? And you know what? Brother Adam says that tarrying was only for the day of the Pentecost. They had to tarry in Jerusalem. He says, after the Holy Ghost came, there's no more tarrying. Which means if you meet the conditions, the moment you get out of those waters, you ought to receive the Holy Ghost. If you don't receive it, conditions are not being met. Simple as that. Conditions are not being met. You ought to receive the Holy Ghost after Acts 2.38. 
So if you've been looking for the Holy Ghost all these years and you still feel that you don't have it, and you know in your life that you don't have it, you know in your heart that you don't have it, what is wrong? Conditions have to be met. And Brother Obama says, see, on conditions, if you can meet the condition, that is, if you can see me while I go away, you will have what you ask for. So Elijah said to Elisha, what you're asking is difficult, but I can give it to you upon the condition. You have to see me when I leave. And our Brother Obama says this, he says, that's all Elisha wanted. It was to know the conditions. He says, he know the promise and the conditions of the promise. When he understood what the promise was, and he understood what the conditions of the promise were, that's all he needed. Then he got to work. He says, he kept his eyes on Elijah. What? He wanted to make sure that he met the conditions. I can imagine somebody saying, what are you bothering him for? He couldn't let Elijah go because he knew what the condition was. And there's one thing he wanted to obtain was a double portion. And I know if I want to obtain that double portion, I must keep my eyes on him. So then his whole life was focused on keeping his eyes on Elijah to make sure that the conditions are met so he can receive what his heart desire was. Once you understand the promises, you need to understand the conditions. Then you get to work to make sure that you meet those conditions so you receive what your heart is desiring. Because if you know the promise, but not the conditions, how is it going to be met? See, the Holy Ghost is given upon the condition. The promises of God can be accessed through faith, but there's a condition. Brother Bonham says this, now... Is there a special request tonight? Just something special? Maybe some of you, all that's going to be in this prayer line. Say, God, be merciful. When I come to be prayed for, let my faith rise up to meet the condition. See, there's many conditions in the scriptures. For example, Ephesians chapter 6. says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may be well with thee, and that I may live long on the earth. You want to live long on earth? Obey your parents. Honor your father and your mother. If you're African, your parents have quoted the scripture every day of your life. I know. But then there's a promise attached to the scripture, but it's upon condition. John chapter 5, John chapter 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me, condition... And my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will. And here's the promise. And it shall be done unto you. Promise conditions. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and it shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. See the promise is that it will be given unto you. But the condition is that you have to ask. All what peace you often forfeit. All what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So there's things in our lives that we carry because we simply didn't ask. Ask. There's many places in the scripture where God says, ask, ask, ask. See, the promise of receiving is conditioned upon asking. It's very simple. If you want, you ask. Here's the promise and you will find. What is the condition? Seek. Now, how are you going to find if you're not searching? What are you looking for? 
It depends on what you're looking for. Because if you know what you're looking for, then you can find it. If you're looking for something, you're like, what are you looking for? I don't know. How are you going to find it? How are you going to know when you found it if you don't know what it is that you're looking for? If you want to find, you have to seek. God promised that if you seek, you will find. And he said, if you search me with all your heart, I'll be found. Here's the promise. It will be open unto you. What's the condition? Knock. Spread you in the word. If you want the doors to be open, knock. Don't just look at the door. You got to knock. See, you've got to meet the conditions of the promises for your faith to yield results. You must ask. You must believe. But you must ask, you must ask right. Because James 4 says, you ask and receive not because you ask and miss. So it's not good enough to ask. You have to ask the right way. You have to ask for the right things. I promise you I'm not going to be long tonight. I know I've said it three times already. Now, brother, let me say this. You never know, no matter how much you scream, how loud you scream, how much you pray, that devil's got a legal right to stay there. And he will stay there too. That's right. He's got a right to stay there. Not only that, but if you're supposed to have done something and you didn't do it, he has a legal right of disobedience. Expectations. 1954, 1206, you can read it yourself. The devil has a legal right of disobedience because there's something that you're supposed to do and you didn't do it. And brother says that you can scream all you want. That demon will stay there because there's something against you. There's a hindrance to your faith. Disobedience. And it says, see, unconfessed sin many times. You watch what you say, stomping this one and stomping that one out. See, faith will move, but not when the devil's got a legal right. Satan knows what his rights is. Clean yourself up before God. And come before him pure and holy and ask them. What is he saying? If the conditions are not being met. And there's some hindrances in your life. Let's not waste time and scream and scream and scream. The devil will stay right there because he has a right. What you ought to do is clean yourself up. Do a soul and heart examination. And say what is it in my heart? What is it in my life? What is it in my day to day life? That might be hindering the Holy Spirit in my life. Make it right. Then the Holy Ghost can move. He says, search your life out. In other places, he says, turn every stone. Now, see, what gives Satan a right to stay is when conditions are not met. See, the moment that you meet the conditions of the promise, it removes all rights from Satan. If you want the devil to have no rest in your life, meet the conditions of the promises, then you have no legal right. But as long as the conditions are not met, how is that demon going to move from your life when he has the right to stay there? Many places, Brother Adam says, iniquity. He says, when there's something that God wants you to do, and you don't do it. My, that, that shook me. See, when God is calling you to do something, and He's spoken to you, and He's witnessing in your heart to do it, and you don't do it, that is iniquity. It's not doing something that you know God wants you to do. Now you've opened the door for a demon to claim that he has a right. 
Brother Ram says it's the right of disobedience. Now, if we go back to the text that we read, the Lord's Prayer. When we know the scripture and the disciple asked Jesus, how should we pray? And he told them, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Forgive, uh, give us today our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation and all those things. But verse 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, this point that he's making on forgiveness is included in the prayer, right? It says, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, Jesus doesn't come back to any other point in that prayer but forgiveness. He doesn't come back to say, see, if you ask for my father's will, if you ask for the daily bread, if you ask for deliverance from temptation, no. All those things are mentioned in the prayer, but he goes back to one element of that prayer, forgiveness. He's putting a double emphasis on this very point, forgiveness. And that forgiveness is condition. For you to receive it, you must first give it. And that's my subject for tonight, forgiveness first. Bible says in perfect, perfect faith, paragraph 19, it says, now faith is based on forgiveness. How are you going to have faith if you can't forgive? It's not going to be an easy subject, but it's necessary that these things are spoken about. And I hope that you love me when I'm done. But how are you going to have faith if you can't forgive? The very foundation of faith is forgiveness. The one thing that Jesus comes back to in the prayer is that you have to forgive. Yes, His will be done. Yes, give us our, our daily bread. Yes, lead us not into temptation. But you must forgive. That's where the emphasis is. Because if you don't forgive, your Father will not forgive you. Mark chapter 11 says this. Verse 21, and Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Verse 22, and Jesus answered, said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whatsoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is heaven, in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, the context of this scripture is that Jesus cursed the fig tree. And then they came back, and Peter makes an observation here, that what Jesus spoke yielded results. Now, Jesus' response to Peter is, have faith. In other words, if you have faith, you will also have results. 
right? To obtain results, you need to believe. You need to have faith. Now, Jesus continues and says, what's the thing you ask? So, first you need to have faith, but then you need to ask in prayer, right? Then he continues on and says, the next element here says, but when you pray, forgive. Three things here. In summary, to obtain something, you must believe. Amen? And if you believe, you can ask. But before you ask, you must forgive. That is the formula in Mark 11 here. If you want to see, if you want to speak something and see it produce results, believe. And if you believe, pray. If you pray, forgive. You cannot believe and pray and not forgive. Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you bring that gift to the altar, and then you remember that that brother has ought against thee, leave that gift before the altar and go that way and first be reconciled. See, in Mark chapter 11, it says that if you have ought with somebody else, so if you are the problem, right? If you have a problem with somebody else, you have to be, you have to forgive first. But in Matthew chapter 5 says, even if you don't have a problem, but they have a problem with you, you have to forgive. So forgiveness covers both ends. Whether you are the one with the problem, whether they are the one with the problem, in both cases, it doesn't matter. You still have to forgive. So forgiveness is not about who is right or who is wrong. Well, they started it. It doesn't matter who started it. You have to forgive. They hurt me. It doesn't matter who hurt whom. You have to forgive. It's not about who has a problem. It's not about who initiated the problem. It's not about who feels what. It's about forgiving. Whether you're right or wrong, forgive. Whether you are the one who committed the offense or the one against whom the offense was committed, you have to forgive. Whether you are the one who hurt somebody or you are the one who was hurt, you still have to forgive. Whether your trust was betrayed or you are the one who betrayed somebody else's trust, you still have to forgive. Whether you are the victim or the perpetrator, you still have to forgive. The scripture makes no, no, no exception for a particular case where you can't forgive. Whether you're right or wrong, you forgive. And there's so many times in our Christian life, and we're like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. They are the ones who did this. Forgive them regardless. They hurt me. Forgive them. Forgiveness is a very difficult thing to do. But it's the most capital thing as Christians. A Christian has to live a life of forgiveness every day. God cannot dwell in an unforgiving heart. Brother says, Lord, he says, if you from your heart do not forgive every man his trespasses, neither does your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses. And therefore, when you pray, stand praying, forgive. And he says, Lord, if I have an enemy anywhere in the world, I pray, God, that you forgive the both of us. That's your prophet. You wonder why the power of God was in his life? You wonder how God could use him that much? That's the heart of a man of God. If I have an enemy somewhere in the world that I don't even know about, I go to bed in peace, but somewhere in, somewhere in the Philippines or somewhere, I don't know where, he wakes up cursing me because he just hates me. I don't know who he is, but forgive the both of us. 
It's not about who's wrong, who's right. I never did anything to them. Why do they hate me? Why do they criticize me? Forgive the both of us. How many can say that tonight, Lord? If there's somebody who has something against me, just forgive the both of us. Now, forgiveness in the Greek is to let go. It's to disregard. It's to leave behind. It's to stop discussing. It's to give up a debt. It's to let alone. It's to stop keeping. It's to leave one place in order to go to another. See, when you don't forgive, you're stuck in one place. You cannot move forward with God. You cannot go where God wants to take you. And you're stuck for you to leave that place of hurt. To leave that place of betrayal. You need to be able to forgive so God can take you further. Because without forgiveness, God cannot reveal himself to you. You want more revelation in your life? Forgive more. How can God make himself known to a heart that doesn't forgive? He cannot give more faith because faith is based on forgiveness. So the word will be preached from the church, from the pulpit. You will listen to tapes. But how is that word going to produce any faith in your heart if you can't forgive? Then you wonder why people are in a message 10 years and they cannot grow spiritually because they can't forgive. So they are stuck in the past and others have moved on with God with more revelation and more light and more light. And they are stuck 10 years ago or 50 years ago because they are unable to forgive and move on. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Proverbs 79. Webster defines forgiveness as to cease to blame. To stop feeling resentment against the offender. To grant relief from the payment of debt. To give up any resentment or claim to requital. Which means, you know, requital means that somebody has to pay. Justice must be served. And the wrong done against you must be made right. You must receive compensation for the wrong that was done to you. Now, forgiveness is to give that up. As human beings, we feel that justice has to be served. When somebody hurt us, when somebody did us wrong, and perhaps we're absolutely in the right, it's not our fault. We confided in somebody and they violated our trust. We believed in somebody and they let us down. Or somebody hurt our feelings. Or somebody disappointed us. And then we feel like a wrong has been done to us, and that wrong has to be made right. But to forgive is to let that go. It's to stop dwelling on it. It's to stop discussing it. It's to stop bringing it up again. Because if it's forgiven, it's gone. You cannot bring it up again. So and so did this. Or bring it up in your mind. I cannot believe they hurt me that much. You have to let it go. Resentment is a bitter indignation of having been, of being treated unfairly. See, it's the feeling that you've been wrong by friends, families, sometimes even God. It's that feeling of resentment towards God because of how life treated you. And then you feel that God owes you an apology for his unfair treatment. Or he needs to do something to make up for the bad things that happened in your life. This is reality. There's people who feel that way. They've gone through a bad patch. Bad things happen in their life. Over and over again. And it starts building up this resentment towards God. 
And I can't believe you let this happen to me. I thought that you loved me. And I was faithful. And I served you. And I did all this. Why did all these things are happening to me? And all of a sudden you feel that God needs to make it right somehow. You feel that God owes you an apology. Or God needs to make up, make up for all the wrong that's happened to your life. Then that feeling of resentment, you got to let it go. Whether it's towards God, or towards a loved one, or towards a friend, he got to let it go. See, forgiveness is not a statement. It's not a saying, I forgive you. No, no, that's not what it is. See, forgiveness is an action. It's not just a declaration, but it's the condition of your heart. You can very well say, I forgive them, or I've already forgiven them. Or you can say, brother, I forgave you. But if the conditions of your heart don't match what you're saying, you still not haven't forgiven. Who are you fooling? You're not lying to anybody when you say, well, I forgive you. But deep down in your heart, you didn't let go. Forgiveness is the conditions of your heart. It has nothing to do with what you say. It's what is your heart's inclination towards that person. What happens in your heart when you see them? That's how you know whether you've truly forgiven them or not. See, it's the action of letting go. When you give your heart to the Lord, you surrendered everything. So you let things go. You let your passions go. You let your pain go. You let your own ambitions go. You let your moral sins go. You let your carnal desires go. That's what forgiveness is. You let things go. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21. I'm going to read this quickly because I have 20 minutes left. Then Peter, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Now, I read somewhere that the, the tradition um, amongst the Jews was five times. Forgive five times. So I guess Peter was feeling that he was generous. He was like, I'm, I'm going to go past five times. Seven? Maybe seven times? Right? And Jesus said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. There he goes into a parable. And I feel like I just have to skip this for the sake of time. But he talks about the parable of the man who was forgiven a huge debt. And somebody else owed him a debt. Instead of forgiving, he threw that person in jail because they wouldn't pay him back. Now the scripture says, verse 32, Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that debt, because that desires me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his law was rough, and delivered him to the tormentors, Till he should be, till he should pay all that was due unto him. Verse 35. Now this is key. So likewise shall my heavenly father do unto you, if you from your heart you forgive not everyone his brother the trespasses. My. If you don't forgive, what happens to you? You're given to tormentors. Scriptures. You know what tormentors are? A demon. That's what Bible says. The word demon means tormentor. So, by refusing to forgive, you've opened up in your life a door that allows the devil to come and torment you. 
Whether it's sickness, whether it's depression, whether it's bad habits you cannot get rid of, whether it's the lack of overcoming power in your life, because you did not forgive. So who is, who is hurting more when you don't forgive? The other person or yourself? See, some have given the devil an entrance in their lives through sickness and other things. And strongholds begin to form in your life. Terrible habits become very hard to get rid of. A prayer life becomes stagnant. The zeal of God starts to dwindle because an interest has been made through an unforgiving heart. Brother says there's something wrong when you can't bear with one another. When you can forgive every person from the very depths of your heart. No matter what they have done. Quote. You don't know, Brother John. You have no idea what they have done to me. No matter what they have done. You have no idea what they said. He says, no matter what they have said. If you can't forgive from the depths of your heart, there's something wrong. Now remember, it's not just a saying. It's not good enough to say, I forgive you. What is the condition of your heart? It has to be from the depths of your heart. If you cannot bring your heart in the condition of forgiveness, there's something wrong. Psalm 78, verse 38. But he, God, being full of compassion, he forgave their iniquity and he destroyed them not. Yeah, many a time turned his anger away, but he did not stir up his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh. See, God at times, he wanted to destroy humans. He remembered they're just humans. They're just flesh. Like they're mortals. Their humanities, their failures, their iniquities, they're all by flesh. So if you have the very nature of God, when you look at your fellow brother and sister, remember, they're about flesh. They're humans just as much as you. So they'll make mistakes. They'll say things they should not have said. They will fail you. Human beings are known for what? Failure. That's what we're very good at. But what do you expect? God says, they're nothing but flesh. Forgive. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Luke 6.37. See? Forgiveness cannot be obtained unless it's first given. Now you want God to hold something against you? Do you? No. But that's what will happen if you hold something against somebody. Forgiveness cannot be obtained unless it is first given. Now here is somebody who wants the Holy Ghost. But who received the Holy Ghost, he needs to obtain forgiveness of sins. But to obtain forgiveness, he needs to forgive. And he cannot bring himself to forgive. How is he going to get the Holy Ghost? How? I'm going to turn the corner. And bring this right close. Mark chapter 20, uh, chapter 2. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, verse 1, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bring him one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof 
where he was. And when they had broken it up, they laid down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. But this is a dramatic, dramatic situation here. Like, just the setting of this, of this scene here is incredible. Jesus was back home and everybody knew that he was home, so the house was full. And now there is a man who was sick and he needed to see Jesus. He needed healing, but he could not bring himself in the presence of God. So his four friends, and brother told minister on this, you know, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ brought him into the presence. And we've been brought in the presence of God by the gospel. And now his four friends are about to bring him in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now imagine just sitting there in a the house, right? Like here, we're in the church, sitting in the house. And Jesus is teaching, and he's preaching, and everybody's listening. And all of a sudden, what is that? There's a noise. Now, what's going on? Everybody stops. They're looking at each other. Can you hear that? What's happening? What's happening? What's that? Do you hear that noise? Okay, where is it? Where is it? Looking to the left, looking to the right. Where is it coming from? Okay, it seems to be coming from here. Now there's noise. Why? Somebody's starting to dig. Somebody's starting to dig. And then all of a sudden, the attention is now, what's going on? See, somebody's digging. And now before you know it, there's a tiny hole in the roof. And some dust began falling in the, in the room, right? What I'm saying And there's some dust starting to fill the house. Why? Somebody's digging. Because somebody's digging. And in the service, all of a sudden, the atmosphere changes. Because somebody's digging. And all of a sudden, the attention is changing. Why? Because towards a certain need. Because somebody's digging. Sometimes, you got to dig. You got to dig. And if you're here for a loved one, maybe you should be doing the digging for them. You should be doing the digging. And before you know it, that tiny hole becomes a bigger hole. And then there's a breakthrough. And then all of a sudden, the atmosphere changes in the service because there was a woman who was able to tear into the kingdom of God. That's the prophet saying that. Here comes a woman. She's tearing into the kingdom. Why? She's digging. Somebody's starting to dig into the presence of the Lord. I need more out of this service. I need more for my friend. I need more for my family. I need something for my daughter. I need something for my son. Start to dig. And they start to dig. And then there's a breakthrough. And it's no longer dust. Big pieces starting to fall. Things are starting to collapse. Strongholds are starting to break. Because somebody's digging. Then it becomes easier for everybody else in the service to enter in. Why? Because somebody was digging. And now that little hole became a bigger hole. And it became bigger and bigger. And before you know it, somebody could come inside that hole because somebody was digging. And because of you pulling in the service, you digging deep. Somebody else can now enter in because you were digging. And now he's lowered into the presence of God. Everybody's quiet. What just happened? And now he lays at the very feet of Jesus. Now everybody is looking. And there's a silence. What is he going to say? What's going to be the first statement to break the silence? What is he going to tell this man? Brother Bible says he's a prophet. So he looks. He looks at this man and the vision breaks forth. He starts seeing his life. Perhaps how he became that sick. Perhaps what he went through in his life. And he starts seeing his life. And now everybody is waiting. What is he going to say? Where, what would you think if you were there? What is he going to say? You're healed? No. I understand your pain? No. I have empathy for you? No. I feel sorry for you? No. That's not how the silence is broken. You want to know what the scripture says? Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, and he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
Here is a man who is sick of the palsy. And his, bring, his, his friends have brought him into the very presence of God for his healing. And everybody's waiting. What healing power is going to come out of his mouth? What is he going to say? How is he going to heal this man? He doesn't say, rise up and walk. He doesn't say, be healed. He says, thy sins are forgiven. Because Jesus, as a prophet, understands forgiveness comes first. Healing follows. Forgiveness first. Then, after the man received forgiveness, then he says, take out the bed and walk. Now healing power comes. Now the promises can materialize in his life. Now the invisible can become tangible. Now that position of faith can act. Why? Forgiveness first. Forgiveness first. Jesus didn't say, oh son, be healed. No. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Now we know from the principles that we read in Matthew 6, that he cannot be forgiven unless you forgive. So no doubt, this man who is sick already forgave. No doubt he's already forgiven in his life. And now the only thing that is waiting, say, Lord, I've done my part. I have met the conditions. And now this man finds himself in the presence of Jesus Christ, having already met the conditions. Now forgiveness can be ministered to him, then healing. Forgiveness first. Now, we're going to close with this. Isaiah 43. Verse 24. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thy iniquities. My. Imagine wearying God with iniquity. The burden on him of all our iniquities. Verse 25. I, even I. Oh, I love that. I, even I. Nobody else but me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I, even I. I am he that blotteth out thy, iniqui- thy transgressions for my own sake. My, 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 my. I am the one who's going to blot out like Brother Murphy preached. I'm going to blot out all your debts. I'm going to forgive all your transgressions. I'm going to forgive all your sins. For your sake? For my own sake. God is saying here, I understand that the benefit of forgiveness is much more greater than me waiting for you. So I'm going to forgive you. Because if I leave you like that, you will go away from me. I know in your own sinful nature, you can do, you can go one day without me. You can go one year without serving me. You can go ten years without serving me. It will be fine for you, but it won't be fine for me. I can't take it. I won't be able to handle two more weeks without you. I won't be able to handle one year without having fellowship with you. You. you are my love. You are the subject of my love. So for my own sake, so I can have fellowship with you, for my own sake, I'm going to block away all your transgressions. I'm going to take away all your sins. Not because of you, but because I need you. Oh my, think about his love. He's not waiting for you to say, Lord. He's saying, I'm going to forgive you for my own sake. 
Because if I don't forgive you, there's no fellowship. And I need to fellowship with you. I need to reveal myself to you. I need to give you faith. And without forgiveness, you cannot have this. So for my own sake, I will forgive you. My desire to have fellowship with you is greater than all your sins. My desire to reveal myself to you is greater than all your transgressions. My desire to be one with you is greater than all your iniquities. For my own sake, I will forgive you. Not for your sake. For my own sake. I can't do one day without you. I can't go one week without you. I've been wanting to have fellowship with you. You are a thought in my mind. And I couldn't have fellowship with you. Now you're materialized. Now you're expressed in time. But you're living in sin. But there's iniquity in your life. But there's transgression in your life. If I don't take this away, I can't fellowship with you. If I leave you like this, I can't fellowship with you. The longer I let this go, the longer it will take me to be one with you. The longer I let this go, the further you'll go away from me. It might not hurt you, but it's going to hurt me. You might be found one day without me, but I can barely do one minute without you. Let me go into your heart. For my own sake, I'm going to forgive. For his own sake. For his own sake, he's taken all your sins. All your sins. My sins. All the bliss of this glorious thought. My sins not in part, but the whole. He's nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. For his own sake. You can say it is well with my soul. For his own sake. You can say that you love him. For his own sake. Because when we're dead in our trespasses, God rich in mercy came and forget your sins. For his own sake. So who benefits from forgiveness? The one who gives it. Yes. For his own sake, by forgiving you, look at the benefit that God has. He now has a bride. Because he was able to forgive. He now has a son and a daughter of God. Because he was able to forgive. He now has people on earth that he can whisper his secrets to. Because he was able to forgive. Talk about the benefits of forgiveness. If there's one person who understands it, it's God. He understands that the benefits of forgiveness outweighs the pain. He complained, you are, you've made me wearied with your iniquities. You don't bring offerings to me. You don't do anything for me. I'm tired. But for my own sake, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that weariness go. I'm going to take the pain. I'm going to take all the blame on me. I'm going to take your sins upon me. I'll take the punishment on me for my own sake. Oh my, that's what struck me at the prayer meeting when the sword began to come together. And I just began to weep. Oh God, for your own sake. It's not because I wanted it. But you wanted me more than I wanted you. For your own sake, you forgave me. Yes, I've wearied you with my sins. Yes, I've let you down multiple times. And I'm sure I'll let you down tomorrow. But for your own sake, you say, Jean, you know what? For my sake, I'm going to forgive you. I'm just going to have to. You're flesh. You can't help it. And what is the alternative? Not talk with you? Never. What's your alternative? Not be in fellowship with you? How can I do that? What's your alternative if I don't forgive you? Then I like somebody that I love? No, I'll be miserable without you, John. Why? I cannot be complete without you. You are a part of me. So for me to feel complete, for my own sake, I have to forgive. If you want to feel complete, for your own sake, you have to forgive. 
You will never reach spiritual fulfillment in your walk with God unless you bring your heart to a place of full forgiveness. The benefits outweighs the pain. I'm not saying you haven't been hurt. I'm not saying people didn't let you down. Can I take my liberty a little bit here? Is that okay? Is that okay? I've been here for a long time. I've been here 10 years ago and I've talked with many of you. And I hear many things coming up again. And you keep bringing some, some things up. I want to tell you, let it go. Just let it go. So and so did this, let it go. This person let you down, let it go. They said things about you and your ministry, let it go. They said this about the church, let it go. For your own sake, you have to let it go. I'm not saying that they're right. And I'm not saying you're wrong. No, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. What matters is you're able to forgive. For your own sake, you've got to forgive. Because then you hinder the power of faith in your life. And then there's people that are sick that can't be healed. Why? Lack of forgiveness. There's homes that cannot live in harmony. Why? Lack of forgiveness. There's a husband and a wife who cannot have a good relationship. Lack of forgiveness. And there's children, and the Lord is visiting the iniquity of the children, or the fathers, upon the children, because of a lack of forgiveness. It's human nature to want to hold on to things. I understand that. We've all been hurt, myself included. We've all been let down by men. But as, as long as we're humans, somebody's going to let you down. I might let you down one day. And I pray that you forgive me. But we are humans. So for your own sake, you've got to forgive. Because your desire to be right with God. Your desire to have fellowship with God. Your desire to have unlimited revelation come to you. Your desire for God to walk closely to you is greater than all the pain you went through. It's greater than all the trouble you went through. It's greater than all the hurt your husband inflicted to you. All the hurt that your wife caused you. All the hurt that your parents caused you. All the hurt that man that you trusted caused you. Your desire to be complete with God is greater than all of that. Digging your heart tonight, saints. What is it? What did the Holy Spirit put his finger on that you need to deal with so that the power of faith can be loosed in your life? Principles of faith. Forgive first. It starts with forgiveness. It's the very foundation of faith. We can pray and pray until we're blue in the face. We can fast and fast. But if you don't meet the conditions, so what is that all for? For not. I'm sorry if I was a little bit too hard. I didn't mean to. It's my burden tonight, it's my heart's desire, that you understand the power in forgiveness. I want your prayers answered. God wants your prayers answered. He wants your home restored. He wants this church to go forward in the unlimited power of God. But we cannot go forward unless we let things go. Let it go. Forgive the conditions of your heart. Don't just say it. Forgive. And it's hard to do. So we need help. Lord, help me. Change my heart. Touch me. Help me to forgive. Help me to let go. I've been holding on to this hurt for too many years. Help me to let it go tonight. That your power can be lost in my life. You don't understand the pain I've gone through. I probably don't understand. But I understand the ramifications of not forgiving. That I do understand. I may not know what you went through. I may not know what happened in your family. I may not know the pain that was caused. But what I know is if you don't forgive... You're only hurting yourself. And that's 50 minutes. My phone is telling me here it's time to stop. Musician, why don't you come? Forgiveness. 
Forgiveness first. I know it's hard. It's the only way. If you don't do it, how will God forgive you? Parents, you have children you want the Lord to save? Forgive. Yeah? You have a loved one you want God to heal? Forgive. You want a better relationship in your families? Forgive. You want a closer walk with God? Forgive. You want the power of faith to be lost in your life? Forgive. You want to ask and obtain? Forgive. Start digging deep in your soul. Lord, what is the condition of my heart? What is the inclination of my heart? You don't have to wait for them to come and say, please forgive me. Uh -uh. The scriptures don't say that. Forgive. If you know that you have something against somebody, forgive. If you know they have something against you, forgive. It doesn't matter who starts to ask for forgiveness first. It just matters that it's done. And if you're anything like the prophet, you ask for God to also forgive them. That's why he said, forgive the both of us. He didn't say, forgive just me and deal with that person. No. He says, if I have an enemy, it's not my fault. It's their fault. Forgive the both of us. This person did so and so, such and such. Forgive the both of us. They say things about me. They say things about my friends, about my family, about my church, about so and so. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgiveness first, then comes faith. Forgiveness first, then comes healing. Forgiveness first, and then comes restoration. For your own sake. Let's stand. Maybe we can sing that song. My sin or the bliss, it is well with my soul. When peace
playing that song, why don't we just close your eyes and I want you to start looking deep down in your soul. You've sang this song it is well with my soul. Is it? Is it well with your soul? Do you have odd against somebody or somebody has odd against you? What is the condition of your heart? Do you have a forgiving heart or an unforgiving heart? Do you just say from your lips I forgive or does your heart reflect that you're living a life of forgiveness? That you, re- you understand that God forgave you and you understand that you need to forgive you understand that the power of God cannot be fully loose in your life unless you forgive why don't we sing that song how deep the Father's love for us think about it all your transgressions for his own sake he forgave that's how deep his love is for us
boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom, not my own abilities. Not that I was better than everybody that hurt me. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. What am I to gain from this reward? Free forgiveness. For his own sake. I cannot give an answer. But this I do know. I do know this in all my heart. That his wounds have paid my ransom. If you have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgotten. You've been justified like we heard on Sunday. It was free, free, free. Then surely you can forgive too. Surely you can give forgiveness for free. Because you have, you receive it from God for free. What a great reward this is. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, I don't know what to say or how to close. Lord, I believe and I pray that your word has dealt with our hearts altogether. That you can examine our hearts tonight, our souls. What is the condition of our heart, Lord? Am I holding something against somebody, Lord? Not just because I say that I forgive them, but what is actually the condition of my heart? When you can look past what I say, you can look past what I confess, you can look past what I pretend to be. When you look deep down in my soul, what do you see? Do you see an unforgiving heart? Lord, break it. Change it. Mold it, Lord. Deal with me tonight that I can let it go. Lord, that I can, I, can, I can bring myself to a place of forgiveness, Lord. To let go. To remember it no more. To stop feeling a resentment. To stop feeling that a wrong has been done to me, Lord. To be able to commit it completely to you and let it go. So I can move on with you in my walk. So I can remove all the hindrances in my life to see your power loose, Lord. Lord, I pray for all of us tonight as a church. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us our trespasses, Lord. And we forgive those who trespass against us, Lord. Lord, let your blood wash all our sins away. All our iniquities away, Lord. Things that we ought to do that we're not doing, Lord. Help us to get it right, Lord. Conditions in our lives that we're not meeting. Help us to meet those conditions, Lord. We want to see your power in our church. We want to see your power in our families. We want to see your power in our walk with you, Lord. So we want to remove every single thing that may hinder you, Lord. We want to turn every single stone, Lord. That you will be pleased, Lord. That the power of God will be loosed. Granted, Lord. And if there's anything we ought to make right, bring it to our remembrance, Lord. Lord, you know we love you. And we're thankful for your forgiveness. Lord, how thankful I am that for my for your own sake, Lord, you will take away all my transgressions. Because you desire fellowship with me. And that your desire for fellowship was greater than all my sins. Lord, I'm thankful for this free gift of forgiveness. And not only can you forgive, but you can justify that my sins are remembered no more. How thankful I am, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go with us now as we go back home, Lord, till we meet again. Or for the things that I was not able to say, let the Holy Spirit minister. Even during the week, Lord, bring things back to our remembrance, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You love me? I'm sorry. As of my heart, I had to. I know we want to be encouraged, and we want a service where we're encouraged and encouraged. But sometimes we gotta dig deep, get things right. Amen. Do you love the Lord? 
you're all dismissed. And when you see your brother at the end of the service, your sister, if you remember, make it right. In your prayer closet, when something comes back in your heart, the Holy Spirit bring it to your remembrance, make it right. For your own sake, God bless you.